Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, you know, I receive a lot of messages from different people all over the world, actually. Uh, it's, it's increasing all the time. Like, there's more and more people who are starting to follow this podcast, and I'm very appreciative of it. Uh, a lot of the comments, uh, some people don't believe in this thing, uh, but they like listening to me. Some people do believe in it, uh, do believe that there's an extraterrestrial reality, and uh, uh, they like what I'm talking, the way I talk about this. And then there are some people I receive messages from who ba- actually hate my guts. Uh, they hate my show. They hate everything about it. They don't like the way uh, I get worked up about this. Uh, and I understand. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, you can't please everybody, right? Uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but uh, I, I, there's a reason. There is a reason why I, I am upset, why I get worked up over this. And and I read an article yesterday, uh, and it, that this is one of the reasons. And, and it's it's how this affects the regular person out there. How people's families actually could be ruined over this kind of thing, and I you could see it. You understand how uh, people out there they just don't accept this because of the stigmatization program that was instigated back in the fifties and continues on to this day. Uh, not as strongly right now because of what's been going on the past uh, uh, almost six years now since the release of those Pentagon videos. However, uh, there are people that. This ruined their lives, ruined their relationship with their families, uh, people who saw these things uh, and were affected by it and knew that there was something going on and they knew what they saw was real. But then, you know, because their families didn't see it or didn't believe it or or because their families had to endure uh, uh, ridicule from other people, from uh you know, people outside their homes. I mean, it, it ruined people's lives because our government has not admitted to the truth, has not told the truth about this for all these years. And, and that's why I'm upset about it. You know, back in, uh, I guess it was 2002. I actually, when I first started talking about, well, I started writing in newspapers about this in 1997 during the 50th anniversary of Roswell. And I was working at a newspaper, in Pennsylvania called the Pottsville Republican at the time. I was a freelance writer. And so the first time I wrote about UFOs for a newspaper was in 1997 during the 50th anniversary of the Roswell crash. And then later on, I was uh, living in Iowa and uh, Burlington, Iowa, and I wrote for a newspaper there called The Hawkeye. And in 2002, the summer of 2002, I wrote an article again. It was that I guess that would have been the 55th anniversary of Roswell during that month. It was in July of 2002 and i had i I actually wrote a couple i think it was two or three different articles in one paper in one edition and uh one of the articles was basically uh an opinion piece it was a column that i wrote and 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 basically my i i argued that the people who don't believe in this are crazy so i was saying this over 20 years ago the people who don't accept this reality by this point are they're the crazy one it's not not it's not the people who see this who experience these these things you know it's the people who uh the people who are experiencing them and telling everybody about it they're the normal people it's just the people who can't accept it they're the, they're the numbskulls basically that was my argument over 20 years ago and uh and I, I still feel that way i feel that way right now i feel like if you're if you're unable to accept this reality then there's something wrong with you mentally i really believe you're, there's something wrong with you it's, it's actually you who have who, who has the problem if you can't accept this if you, you if you refuse to do your own little research on this to figure this out you can't do that then you, you you're the one who has the problem not the people who are experiencing these things because i know i've seen things myself so i know what i saw and i know that i'm not nuts right it's the people who can't accept it 
that are the crazy ones. So that's where I stand with it. But there was this article that I came across, and I think it's worth uh, talking about. Um, this was written. This was this was in the Huffington Post. Uh, actually, uh, uh, today, actually, excuse me, this morning I read this for the first time, and I was really upset after reading it because uh, it was there was it was some son talking about his late father who basically was ridiculed during his lifetime. And, and the family was ridiculed, and, and, and the son actually went along with the people ridiculing his father because he didn't want to be ridiculed himself. So, and then his father died alone, and, and, and his, his son didn't even, wasn't, wasn't even at his father's side, side at the time of his, of his father's death. It wasn't even there, and his father died alone. And now this person's you know, regretting all of this uh, because of, exactly because of the stuff that's been coming out. Now, this person... Uh, <clears throat> The, the person we're talking about here is pa- Patrick McGuire. He he was a rancher from Wyoming, and who fr- from this in the seventies and eighties was talking about how there were aliens basically mutilating his cattle, and he would see the craft on a regular basis. And we're going to talk about this uh, about this story. I'm going to go through this article here because it's something to to take note of. I believe. Anyway, the, the headline reads: My dad was a famous alien abductee. I thought he was a joke. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, and this was uh, written by uh, David Rydell. Okay, <clears throat> there's and here's 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 I'll just get into the article right here. It says there's one video available on the internet concerning my father Patrick McGuire. It's strange. Uploaded to YouTube 15 years ago, though clearly recorded much earlier. Video frames another TV screen. Screen. There is a constant static, and the image is fractured as if the broadcast comes from far away. My father is discussing cattle mutilations under hypnosis. Uh, we come up on a cow that was dead. They cut off the nose. They cut the nose off, tongues out, and the sex organs were gone. He recounts as though he was sleepwalking through a nightmare. He goes on to describe a great detail: a spaceship that landed on his ranch and took members of his herd. Their distant, terrified animal cries filling those dark prairie nights. One comment below the video reads: Having lived and worked with cowmen, can you imagine this guy going to town after this got out publicly? I mean, they are a finicky bunch to say the least. I don't have to imagine. I grew up with him walking through our small western town. His life by then fractured like a, like that broadcast. He was completely destitute, picking through my classmates' garbage. And when a classmate came to school the next day and told me what they saw, their grin and subsequent laughter left little to the imagination. However, I then joined in with their laughter. The commentator the commenter was right. We are a finic- finicky bunch to say the least. So basically what this guy is saying, uh, this guy ended up, becoming destitute broke i mean after he came public with this went public with what he was experiencing he ended up somehow going broke uh picking through garbage people were laughing at him uh his life was ruined because of what he experienced well what did he experience we'll get into that here it says on may 14th 2009 my father passed away in a colorado hospital due to cancer he was 67 i did not speak to him before he died his last years were spent in homelessness, though he hadn't always lived that way. His last words, so I heard, were about grand conspiracies and sinister deep states, though he hadn't always spoken spoken about such topics. My father's legacy in our small Wyoming town and inside our family is stained with his tales of alien abduction, interstellar prophecy, and the insistence he was chosen, chosen though he had not always been chosen. There was a time before my birth when he was obsessed with the lore of his rural community, the spiraling complexities of high school dances and the schemes of enlarging his Roman Catholic family. He was normal, caring, and complete. 
That was before the stars came knocking. When I first saw the bold headline, Intelligence Officials Say United States Has Retrieved Craft of Non-Human Origin, published June 5, 2023, in the debrief, I initially didn't think about whether the headline was true. I didn't contemplate what the recovered crafts might look like or that non-human was just another euphemism for the same thing we have been talking about since 1947. I thought about my father. I can see him now as though he were alive today. Black cowboy, hat tilted, face tanned and cracked from the high plains sun saying, who's laughing now? I'm not laughing anymore, but not because I know what that headline is saying is absolutely true and proof lies just around the corner. I'm not laughing because I should never have laughed in the first place. Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have laughed in the first place. You really shouldn't have. Anyway, continuing. In 2017, the New York Times broke news about a previously unknown Pentagon department, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, ATIP. This department was involved in investigating what were formerly called UFOs, now referred to as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, actually Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, UAP. More shifting euphemisms and acronyms for us to track. Since then, the news surrounding these phenomena has steadily grown. There was a congressional hearing in 2022, the creation of a governmental governmental department called the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, and a NASA hearing devoted to encountered or not encountered UAP. And now a new whistleblower, former intelligence official and ATIP task force member David Grush claims a government cover-up. These programs are retrieving non-human origin technical vehicles, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed, he stated to News Nation recently. What once seemed to be the premise of the next for the next X-Files reboot has become front-page news, gaining mainstream consideration by the serious, the rational, the institutional, and the scientific. It's strange to be here in this cultural moment. I think many people feel that to some degree. Whether this is all true or not, it is unmooring to read that United States Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is demanding disclosure on a subject that only a decade ago would have been political suicide to even mention. To read former Pentagon official Lou Elizondo state, my personal belief is that there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone is surreal. And stranger still is reading about governmental UFO agencies and black money in the New York Times. Let me just stop there for a second. It's it's hard to believe, you know. It is, you know, it's it's funny, you know, in a way. I mean, this guy, I mean, it, people, that, that, that's what happens. Most people just don't, they just, at first blush, it's silly to them, so they don't even look into it. But if, had people been looking in this, studying this before 2017, before Lou Elizondo and the release of those uh, P- Pentagon videos, right, before all of that, this was all there for people to, to, to figure out. I mean, there's been something going on. All these people aren't lying. It's just sad. That's see again. It's sad that it took something like this for some people to finally op- start opening up their eyes a little bit, like this guy here. <clears throat> anyway, continuing here, it says D. W. Pasulka, author of the 2019 book American Cosmic, an exploration of our cultural interaction with the UFO phenomena, recently referred to this specific whistleblower event and to the preceding media coverage as a paradigm shift, a fun- fundamental change in the way we conceptualize an issue. That is, she explained, there is. Huge pressure from the fringe, then marginal sources that finally initiate a shift in consensus. And there is an unexpected change in our current moment from the one that preceded it, though now it feels to me, perhaps given my family history more than most, like there has also been an unexpected change in the past. 
The stigma against people who believe in UFOs may go back to the very birth of the topic itself, when the first reports of UFOs described by Kenneth Arnold went from saucer, disc, and pie pan to sensational terms like flying saucers in the press, for which Arnold later stated, I have, of course, suffered some embarrassment here and there by misquotes and misinformation. From there, this subject expanded to include tropes like anal probes, stock characters in films living their lonely, manic lives, and houses crisscrossed with spider webs of yarn. See, again, it's just a shame how this whole thing... Again, this is why I get mad. This is why I'm angry a lot on this show, because we're still playing this stupid game where our government is not, isn't playing ball with us for the most part. There's Some of them, some people obviously in the inside are trying to, but again, look what this, this has caused. This has caused problems for so many people this is just one guy we're talking about here how many other people throughout the world have been uh you know ridiculed and you know their lives ruined over over something that was out of their control something shows up in front of them uh, and they know it's unearthly or, or they they get abducted by aliens and they know that these things aren't human right and they try to tell people about it they go public with it and the next thing you know their lives are ruined anyway continuing with this it says here i know that stigma well uh having experienced it from both sides. My father was born and raised in Wyoming and was a rancher like his father and his grandfather. He nestled into a Western community that branded their cattle and youth alike with abstract symbols that found definition in the regularity of rain and saw acreage as an inappropriate subject to discuss openly. Asking about the size of a man's spread is like asking to look at his checkbook, he said to me once, laughing. And one local recently told me he could break a horse like nobody's business. He was real sharp like that. Shame what happened to him. My father saw UFOs, not one, once, like a dinner guest might claim after a few glasses of wine, but many times, numerous UFOs all at once, up close, lingering in the western Wyoming sky like a nightmare that refused to dissipate come sun- sunrise. In 1981, on NBC's primetime TV show, that's incredible. Well, let me just stop there. Uh, I grew up, I remember That's Incredible, that was on ABC, it wasn't on NBC, unless he's talking about a different show, Uh, I don't know, but anyway, NBC did not show That's Incredible, that was on ABC, Uh, anyway, primetime TV show, That's Incredible, my father's story gained national attention as he related under hypnosis the specifics of his abduction claims and the demands aliens had made upon his life. On the March 5th, 1980 airing, of ABC's Eyewitness News, he reported that UFOs had landed on his ranch somewhere around 20 to 30, 25 to 30 times, and a witness, and witnesses present were quoted as saying they saw two or three of them land at separate times, and we stayed and watched the sun come up, and we saw two of them in daylight hovering in two separate places. A headline in the March 24, 1981 National Enquirer reads, Farmer, aliens use my ranch as their landing place, and it reports that local newspaper and television television reporters have also seen strange lights darting over the mcguire ranch there appeared to be no shortage of witnesses to what was happening on his land while we cannot be certain of what we saw casper star tribune investigative reporter greg bean wrote on june 29 1980 none of us left the mcguire farm with as much skepticism skepticism as we arrived with perhaps we can return my father's claims continued under hypnosis with Famous UFO psychologist R. Leo Sprinkle, 
He recounted abductions by star people who demanded his actions in conjunction with their plan for humanity. These star people told him of a coming climate apocalypse. Following the, this hypnosis and a mere handful of years, he was completely destitute without home or family, and he claimed that governmental forces were keeping him that way because of what he saw and said. This story is a regular in the UFO community. In fact, the story of Grush, the whistleblower, is no surprise to the community. The folks who did believe and respect my father, covert conspiracies, recovered craft, Nazi research, and non-human origins, almost everything the whistleblower related, my father related to me in a similar fashion at some point in his life. I just want to stop there for a second. You know, I'm not somebody, I, I know that there's something here, but I don't get into all of these crazy conspiracies that we talk. There's a conspiracy to cover this up, right? But, uh, I mean, some, some people interested in UFOs, people, some people in the UFO community, they take the conspiracies to other levels, which I just don't, I, I don't see. But there is a conspiracy, as far as I'm concerned, to cover up what they know about this. Crash retrievals, the stuff that, most of the stuff that Grush was talking about, I believe that, uh, you know, all of us were already there before he even said it. Uh, but some some conspiracies are just r ridiculously far-fetched and I don't know where they get their information from. Like, for instance, there's a whole bunch of people who know exactly how many different alien species are here. I don't know how they would know that. I just don't know. I think that's, that's crazy. Things like that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, con continuing here. From the earliest points of my childhood, I was told that UFOs were nothing to make light of. At every turn, every nightfall, through any locked door, the star people could take anyone, even me. My father's description of the star people and my subsequent nightmares matched what our culture has come to expect. Five-foot hairless beings with eyes like colorless pools hovering by my bedside. Soon, classmates and teachers alike were smirking at my fears. And then, like any sociological contagion, I began to smirk too. Then TV took over for my teachers and South Park Coneheads and Mars Attacks taught me that this was indeed a laughing matter. My brothers and I laughed when our father talked about the implants and their accompanying pain. We laughed when he claimed he could barely walk after what the star people did to him. We laughed when he said that he was suing the government for the land they took from him, for destroying his life, for destroying our lives. We laughed. The world laughed. If you were not one to laugh about UFOs, then you didn't say anything at all. And if you did, you hesitantly considered the person you were talking to first, making sure they would not laugh at you too, because you said, because before you said anything at all. For, for many, it was a precarious high wire if one was to discuss the trauma of the phenomenon or its reality. When we weren't getting our meals in school, my father often took us to the local soup kitchen in a basement bunker in the town Episcopal Cathedral. I remember best the dampness of the walls and the claustrophobia of dining elbow to elbow with the other folks, weathering the financial storms outside. Breaking expired bread to share over lentil soup, we were often the only children in attendance. For most of the diners, this was the last place to go. The person across from me would make small talk between spoonfuls, but nothing of the weather or local gossip. In the soup kitchen, the talk was of remote viewing, reverse engineering, and tapping into the collective unconscious for cosmic spiritual growth. I would nod with feigned excitement and encourage them to continue. Go deeper. What about the face of Mars, I would ask with a smile. My brothers and I often failed to contain our laughter. As the world contemplates Grush's claims, I'm the one who feels ashamed. These potential findings mean only one thing to me. An accounting must be made. How should we address our past mockery and ridicule if it turns out that Hidden in a desert base somewhere, there are indeed crafts, cadavers, and photographs of strange visitors. 
well let me tell you something there are there most certainly are it's not going to turn out that way there are they have something believe me regardless of the origins of the metallic orbs tic-tac crafts and flying saucers and independent of the validity of grush's claims we should feel impelled to investigate and rescue a community living with the trauma of the unknown and indescribable a community we greeted with sneers and derision for so long a community we pushed to the outskirts of our cultural limits to be safely ignored if it is all true or it is all lies and sickness we should approach both valuations and care with care and consideration even skepticism but not with the intense ridicule so many of us have given them for so long let me just stop there for a second there's no it's not lies and sickness I, i'm sure for some people it might be right but there's people who saw these things and they're completely utterly sane it has nothing to do with that there's a there's a presence here there is something here i saw one of these beings and i saw one of the craft so there's something here and as along with millions of other people right it's, it's real <clears throat> anyway continuing here i cannot say for certain that a shift in the wider cultural acceptance of ufos is already occurring in our institutions as some have begun to state but i can report what has occurred in my own consciousness since the 50s intrepid investigators have spent their whole lives and careers dedicated to the phenomenon of ufos and abductions and here we are possibly closer to the truth than ever and yet i somehow feel no closer to understanding my father i was not at his side while he lay on his deathbed by choice a choice i seemingly made as a child and never reassessed i chose not to hear his last words and that's hard for me to accept let me just stop there that's 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 just terrible isn't it that's terrible so ufos drove this family apart the guy ended up destitute and broke died alone his son wasn't there and now he totally regrets it this is this is what the stigma has, has done to people you know this is one of the issues that i have why we you know what the with the cover-up look what is look what it does to people people who experience the experience these things and this guy did experience some stuff and there were other witnesses in addition to him he was seeing something and there was cattle on his on his ranch that were getting mutilated and we'll get into that later uh, continuing here it says although delusions are commonly encountered in schizophrenia and affective disorder it turns out that anyone can have them mazaron banaji and john kilstrom stated in their 1996 research titled the ordinary Ad Ad nature of alien abduction memories they are natural byproducts of our attempts to explain the unusual things that can happen to us these excuse me these guys don't have no idea what they're talking about by the way zero zilch zilch as has been the tradition with this topic, I have little certainty about what happened to my father. I can only say that something unusual happened to him. Then he spent the rest of his life trying to make sense of it. And now I will spend the rest of my life trying to make sense of him. That's a sad, sad story. It really is. Uh, so you see, this is why I get angry about it. This is why, I, this is why I'm so mad about this is because I know that there are people out there that, that go through things like this. People who, who experience stuff and then and then their life is turned upside down and they're ridiculed and that's it you know they, they, look, look at it, it divided this family now now there's people re living in, with regrets it's just horrible it's horrible but anyway there's more to talk about with this we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back okay we are back uh we're talking about uh, an incident uh, a, a, a person who's very upset now uh david by Dave, uh, david rydell who said that he basically wrote off his father didn't wasn't even at his deathbed because of the stigma of involving ufos this guy went on tv and on on on, on national television show 
talking about his experiences on his Wyoming ranch back in the 70s and 80s with with UFOs and cattle mutilations and then you know everyone was laughing at him because of the stigma and then uh, when it came when this guy ended up dying years later completely destitute and broke his own son didn't even wasn't even at his bedside to hear his last words see this is the kind of problem these are the kind of issues that uh, we have because of this cover-up uh, but this this was something this incident itself was something that was investigated by different people there was a doctor uh, Richard Fleck I have an article here that he wrote uh, back in 2011 this guy actually went there and stayed stayed there for a, a night and saw objects this guy was from the University of Wyoming uh, and anyway here, I'll leave the links for everything that I'm talking about here for including this article here it says nearly 30 years ago I had the privilege of being one of a group of three visitors invited to witness UFO ufo activity on pat mcguire's ranch east of bossler wyoming bossler has a population of eight people east of bossler has more antelope than people that is where mcguire's high country barley ranch with some cattle was located this rancher had reported cattle mutilations all during the 1970s he had been interviewed by professor leo sprinkle a paranormal psychologist whose speciality was studying ufo abductees at the university of wyoming in La laramie my former graduate student, Greg Bean, worked as a reporter for the Casper Star Tribune. He suggested to me that he would arrange a visit to the Maguire Ranch and bring along a photographer. Would I like to come along, he asked. Sure, I said. His front page article in the Sunday, June 29, 1980 issue of the Casper Star Tribune deftly reports details of our late night observance of strange objects blinking in the sky and gyrating in impossible patterns up and down and sideways as though they were putting on a show for us at 3 a.m the show lasted for perhaps five minutes or so but what happened previous to the to this display of agility and speed and blinking colors was not reported as it might have been too unbelievable for newspaper readers we three arrived at this lovely ranch with all of Maguire's family constituting a population greater than the town of Bossler and with more antelope than humans to boot. We decided to set up our tents on a prairie ridge overlooking his trailer house, well, and utility building so that, he, that, so that we could have an unobstructed view. We chatted with all of his children who had seen UFOs hovering right over their trailer house and small calves being lifted up into the spacecraft. Pat later explained that he thought that the U-folk, as he called them, wanted to examine cow organs for radioactive pollution caused by humans and their incessant testing of weapons. He asked us to stay put up there on the ridgeline because you never know what you might see. Well, we brewed some coffee and sat outside our tents and noticed a dust devil forming way out, of, way out by Bossler. In the meantime, odd gusts of wind played strange tunes as they whistled through our exterior tent poles. Weird clouds formed to the east resembling bearded human figures like something out of biblical times. These clouds hovered over us all afternoon. The dust devil snaked its way slowly toward the Maguire Ranch and finally came right up the prairie ridge to knock down one of our tents. We quick quickly set up the tent again to have gusts of wind play strange tunes with our tent poles. Again, another dust, dust devil formed way out of, by Boster or excuse me, by Bossler. It snaked its way toward us and came up the ridge to knock down our tent for the second time. We were getting mad. We set up the tent again and a third dust devil formed. This time, all three of us stood up and held on to the tent. The third dust devil snaked its way right up to us and lifted the three of us off our feet and we rolled down the other side of the ridge, rolling in canvas. We laughed out loud saying, Maguire's UFOs are made of canvas. I thought to myself, if you folk 
really exist, they sure as hell have a sense of humor. We had some supper and continued talking with Pat until it became dark, but nothing else happened until 3 a.m. when a five-minute dance of multicolored UFOs took place. Pat insisted that they deliberately put on a show for us. Their gyrations were so quick and erratic that Richard, the photographer, could never quite get a focus on them. The next day, we thanked the McGuire's and returned to Laramie to my house for lunch. My wife, Mara, said that we all looked very strange and distant. She had never seen three people who quite behaved as we did, as though we were from some other planet. It took us all afternoon to regain our composure from this visit to a strange, unearthly ranch. The remains of this ranch currently lay beyond a barbed wire enclosure with no trespassing signs. So there you go. Uh, that was somebody that went out there and saw the lights himself. There were three other people. There were witnesses to this. They, uh, now, of course, uh, McGuire himself, along with other witnesses, had seen calves getting lifted up in the air. There was cattle mutilations ongoing. But again, his life was ruined because he brought this up. This is, this is why I am angry about how this was handled for all these years because you know the United States government, uh, the effort to, to basically stigmatize this and demean people who who have experiences with these things it ruins people's lives that's why we need that's one of the biggest reasons why we need to bring this all to an end i mean it still continues today i mean you see idiots all over twitter uh you know debunkers constantly saying stuff ridiculing it you know it's just terrible and we're still it's still existing it still exists but it needs to come to an end people's lives should not be ruined over this but anyway, getting back to 2002 when I was in Iowa, you know, I, I dug up some, some articles for some of these UFO stories that I was writing. And here was an article. This was published on uh, July 28th, 2002. Uh, and this, is, this was from an incident that happened in 1920. And there was a guy that experienced something and he never talked. It took him 35 years before he told one person because he was, he was afraid of what people might think of him. Uh, anyway, uh, and this actually, I actually found this article in a 1973 version, uh, uh, copy of the Hawkeye, uh, where this guy was talking about it. This guy was long dead by the time I wrote this story, but this, I, I included the information in this article and I want to go through this. Yeah. At this time, there was some incident going on where there was something leaving rings. They're called Mud Creek Recre- There was a mud, uh, uh, an area where these people were finding these strange rings in the ground. And, and so in 1973, there was a lot of articles about this. And this prompted some people to actually finally come public, uh, go public with what they experienced. So this was a, an article. It says, in 1973, the Hawkeye ran a series of stories about three strange circles found near Mud Creek Recreation Area in Henry County that formed a triangular pattern. Some people believe the pattern found in the area was evidence of an extraterrestrial spacecraft landing. The story about the Mud Creek Rings continued through 1973 and spurred other stories to emerge, including a man's fantastic, vivid account of a possible alien visitation 53 years earlier. On October 28, 1973, the Hawkeye included a story about Mount Pleasant resident Clark Lynch, 75 at the time, but has since died, who related a story that took place in 1920. Lynch maintained that at about 10 a.m. on June 3, 1920, he saw what he later came to believe was an extraterrestrial spacecraft land while he was fishing. Lynch said he was working his father's farm six miles northeast of town when he took the forenoon off to go fishing. I remember the year because I'd gotten married in January of 1920, he said, adding he was able to remember the exact date because it was his birthday. While fishing, Lynch saw an egg-shaped object 
uh, excuse me, when while fishing, Lynch saw an egg-shaped object the size of a cream can land silently about 15 feet from his riverbank perch. The object sat there for about 15 minutes, not bothering him, nor he bothering it, according to the report. I wasn't in any hurry to jump up and run over to it, and I'm glad I didn't. It might have killed me. Just when I thought about going over to take a closer look at it, it took off without any sound and without turning around. The grass where it hit was pressed down. Lynch said the object left no damage or burn marks on the grass where it had landed. The blue and translucent object would have been camouflaged in the sky. I didn't know what to believe about it at the time, and I still don't. I've concluded that it wasn't anything from Earth. Because of the object's small size, Lynch had said, it couldn't have been occupied by intelligent life as we know it. Lynch observed that his sighting differed from other UFO reports because the object he saw moved slowly, probably about 4 or 5 miles per hour, and was small and apparently lightweight. It took 35 years until 1955 for Lynch to tell his story to anybody. You didn't talk about flying saucers in 1920, he said. So that was that guy's story. So he actually didn't start talking about this until 35 years later in 1950s when a lot of people were talking about UFOs. So that was the first time he told anybody. And then the first time he went public in newspapers about it was in 1973 uh, during this uh, incident with these uh, rings that they were seeing at this uh, Mud Creek Recreation Park. So... Yeah, that's people don't talk about these things. Now, back in 1920, that was before the stigmatization, but in 1920, nobody was talking about these things. No, that wasn't a big thing back then, right? Uh, but I guess in 1920, like he said, you don't talk about stuff like that in 1920. Uh, but by the 1950s, when a lot more people were seeing these things, and, and actually, if 1955, that was when they really started to implement that stigmatization program. You know, that's when it was really starting to pick up because that actually started in 1953 with that Robertson panel. And then it just continued to get worse as the as the years went on, uh, and by the end of the fifties, it was pretty much totally stigmatized. But uh, yeah, he finally talk, told somebody about it in nineteen fifty five about what he saw in nineteen twenty, and then nineteen seventy three, seventy five years old. I guess he didn't care anymore. He told people, but again, you know, again, this is why this is why we all should be mad about this. We all should be mad about the cover up and that they've been keeping this covered up for so long and they're still playing games. They're still, we're, we're, they're, we're getting some information, but it's still not enough. We have still, there's still a lot of people out there who don't believe this. Uh, and it's disgusting. Uh, and this is why I, when people out there wonder why I get all worked up and why I'm angry is because I just want to get over this hump already. And it's because it's nonsense like this, like that, uh, the, that poor guy who, you know, basically was stick, uh, ridiculed his whole life. His, 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 his son didn't even go to his deathbed when he was dying. And now his son regrets it. This is the kind of stuff that this has, this is because of the cover up, because people have not been upfront about it, about this, because our government has kept this a secret from us. A lot of people's lives were ruined over it that's that's why i'm mad right that's why i'm mad and that's why everybody should be mad anyway until next time